Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Conspire Theory Podcast. I have with me another experiencer exclusive. I have with me Jack Carroll. Now, Jack, you've had quite a few experiences, quite a few adventures, it seems. So go ahead and say hello to all the kids and, and let us know how you're doing. Well, hello, everybody out there. This You guys bear with me. I'm not much of a speaker, but I'll do the best I can. So, uh yeah, I've had quite a few, uh Chris. I've had some very... Interesting experiences since the time I was very little. Uh, seven years old is my first experience I had. Yeah, yeah. The first time when you were seven years old, you looked up one day and then there was something that just a little out of the ordinary. What was that? Well, it certainly was. I, uh, we were playing, uh, hide and seek with the neighbor kids next door. And it's my time to count down. So I was counting down and got down to the numbers and went around the corner to, find the kids and what did i see in my backyard i saw two suns appeared to be two suns in the sky and i thought oh my gosh what is this so seven years old you don't really know what to think you know so i went around the other side tried to find the kids wanted them to come look at this beautiful event i couldn't find a child anywhere and i thought my goodness where are all the kids yeah, so, it's just just you it's just yeah you it was just a, me i was there by myself just you and a rogue son so i thought uh well, maybe they went next door to get a drink of water or something. So I walked over there, I knocked on the back door, and lo and behold, they're having dinner. Now, you have to remember, when this had taken place, we had just gotten out of grade school, had gotten home, and the kids had just gotten out. So we started playing. It was probably around 2, probably around 3 o'clock, I guess, when, or 3.15, I guess, when that happened. And uh, I noticed one thing strange. They were all eating their dinner. The father, he was a military man, and he had strict rules. He says, y'all have to eat at six on the button. Yeah. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no dinner in the middle of tag. Never, never. So uh he said, they're not coming out. They're going to be doing their homework after dinner. And I thought, wow, after dinner? I mean, why, why are they eating so early? So I, well, I said, okay. So I, I walked home kind of bewildered you know wondering what happened to the time and uh apparently it was like six o'clock and i thought or six thirty. i thought my gosh where did this time go i didn't think much about it i kind of seven years old i just went about my other business and waited for my folks to get home they got home late usually it wasn't until years later that i recalled that event and in your recollection when you figured out what happened to that missing time what actually did happen Oh my gosh, it was really weird. I, uh, recall what had happened. It was very strange. I remember when my memory came back, it came back really strong. I remember standing there looking at the two suns. And then the next thing I remember, I'm looking off to the left and there's a little ET standing there. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, who is this child? He's short like me, you know, just a child. And, uh, he was a little, a little strange looking. And I, I look to the right, and what do I see? I see a flying saucer landed in my backyard. It has a short set of steps running down down the fuselage. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm thinking, wow, this is really cool. And he looks at me, and he says, uh, would you like to come aboard? And I thought, would I ever? Oh, yeah, man, as a child, <laughs> I was thrilled. I was really fascinated. That, that's I thought, adventure. I thought, like, man, this is really something. I didn't think about the danger or what would happen. So anyway, he says, yeah, go ahead. And uh, I said, okay. So I walked up the three little steps, walked into this craft, and it now, was... Now, just before we go on now, the Rogue Sun, that was the, the bottom of the spaceship, is, is that right? It, it, must have been, it must have been the thrusters or, or, or some something. Some kind of reflection or something. Yeah, like it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a craft. It, it had to have been a craft. I couldn't mm. make out that it was a flying saucer because it appeared to be a sun. And I thought, wow, this is really strange. The only thing is it was a little bit smaller than our original sun. So you, you saw the being on your left before yeah. the craft landed. Yes. Is that correct. So yes. then, so then I, I guess he was, he was like, I guess he was getting picked up then. He, his taxi had just shown up and said, well, possibly said, that could have said, hey, come been on, check happened. out, check out my brother's hot rod. That, that, that could have <laughs> been what happened. I mean, I, I yeah. had no idea. I was only like seven years old, yeah, you know, okay. and I'm trying no, to put that, this all fine. together. Just, 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 just chewing on that a bit, you know. Mm -hmm. So you're inside the spacecraft. You, you walk inside and, and then what? 
Oh, it's fascinating in there. Now, this thing appeared to be in diameter, probably 18 to 22 feet in diameter. I thought, well, this thing will be pretty small when I walk in it. I walked up the steps, walked inside, and all the interior appeared to be in a, a, a stainless steel material. At that time, I knew a little bit about metallurgy because my grandfather taught me about different metals as I was a little kid, probably very young. And um, I could tell that it looked like it was stainless steel. It was in a circular pattern inside. And in, inside the craft, there was a, it had uh, like a, a stainless steel sink. It had like stainless steel cabinets and different compartments and stuff. So that they had a little uh, kitchen area in there. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Something it, like it appeared to, as a child, to me, it appeared to be something like yeah. that. Right. As the best frame of reference, that's, that's what you could yeah. detail what it was. It, it could have been anything from like a, a wash station or something like that. But Oh, yeah. From, from. A lab. Your your recollection. As, More like as, a lab, I, I would say. Probably, yeah. Probably. Um, and off to one side, there was a little panel there. It had a set of crystals on top, and these were different colored. They were, they were clear. Uh, some were clear. Some were green. But in the center of it, there was a red crystal. It was beautiful. looked like a big ruby. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is really neat. I, I, and I, we all can see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, I thought, oh, man, this is really cool. And as a seven-year-old, of course, me being inquisitive, red, touch I reached touch for the crystal. And, man, lo and behold, I hear in my head, and I almost racked my brain, said, don't touch the crystal. <laughs> it scared me so bad. The first thing I thought, how could this child scare me so bad? I mean, he's no bigger and no taller than I am, but yet he's frightened me to death. Yeah, at that time you see him as an equal, you know. I did, I did, yes. And uh, I, my hands just dropped down to the side and I just froze. I thought, oh my gosh, yeah. this guy's really scared me, you know. This so, big, uh, red, shiny button. I, I, I look up, I, I'm looking around in total fear on my face. I'm looking around <laughs> and there's another uh being another small child standing mm -hmm. up in the top portion of the craft. Now, this craft is uh, looks a little larger than when I went in, but he's communicating with the little guy that yelled at me, and he's saying, um, I could tell what they're saying. And the, the first little guy, he says, take, this, take him around and show him some other things in the craft. <laughs> and I thought, well, okay. Keep, keep him away from the big red dangerous thing. Keep him away from the red crystal, whatever <laughs> you do. So he takes me through this door, the chaperone or the second in command. He takes right. me through this, this porthole this, on this craft. And I walk in, and there's a long hallway. And I'm thinking, this is strange. How could this be this large inside this little round craft? Well, what it was, I found out years later, we had taken the craft up to a mothership. Yeah, and and at the time, you didn't feel any shift in the momentum. I didn't, didn't feel, feel anything, anything change or anything. No. We were just there in a larger craft. Yeah. No, no gravel shift. No, no nothing, nothing. Just, nothing. And I was hmm. just kind of enjoying it at that point. So my chaperone is taking me down this hallway, and as I look to the left, there's doors, and they're classrooms and mm. in these classrooms they have anywhere from probably uh oh 18 to uh 30 people in there mm. uh, most of them are human looking but there's a teacher up at the front giving instructions to the mm -hmm. the, the kids uh the students and as we looked in each classroom not one person turned their head to look at me or anything hmm. or paying attention, almost as, as if they were had their focus on the teacher totally. Did, did you did you hear any lecturing in the? No, in the I, I didn't. I didn't hear what they were talking about, but I could see that the student were really watching the teacher, and the teacher was moving from this point to another point, explaining things to to the students. And as we walked away from the door, my the second in command, he tell I said, "What? What? What is all this?" He said, "Well, he said what we do. He said we take each person to say that they're good in math or they're good in physics or whatever or science or whatever. And he, mm -hmm. what we do, we take them into their class and we enhance their abilities a hundredfold." Mm -hmm. He says that's so they can do great things as they get older. Mm -hmm. 
back on earth. So we just enhance what they've already excelled in on earth. I said, well, that's interesting. So we walked by another place and it's an engineering uh, class. And he said, this is uh, for engineering and, and then so on and so on. And we walked further down. And uh, one was in biology and uh, and he just kept explaining this is these students are really going to be good in this, hmm. this subject. Right. He says, uh, we'll go down here a little further and we think you will have something that you will really like to see. I said, okay. So he takes me down and we make a right turn in, 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 a, in a room. Mm-hmm. And as he opens the door, I look in there and, oh, my God, there's all these gears and levers and and magnets and all kind of stuff like that. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is really fascinating. And the first thing I noticed as I walked in, there's a little mm-hmm. yellow small biplane, not very large. It's probably uh, the wingspan, probably 14 inches, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, anyway, I'm looking at this little two-wing biplane that's painted yellow. And it's hovering above this little object. And I said, oh, wow, that is so neat. It just floats in the air, doesn't it? And my chaperone said, oh, that's so easy. That's just done with magnets. Anybody can do that. I said, wow, that's really cool. So I walked on down the tables, and I was looking at the gears and the fascinating different metals that they had and the different uh, other things that were in there, just all kind of ball bearings and different magnets and all kind of shapes. Sounds like they, they, they took you to the auto shop. Yeah, that's probably where they took you, They, they you, thought, wait, this yeah. guy is only Sick smart shop class. <laughs> this guy is only smart enough for the auto mechanics. We'll, we'll put him, <laughs> we'll put him in here. So anyway, nevertheless, though, I was happy. I was like a kid in the candy store, yeah. you know. I looked at all this fantastic stuff and I was just so pleased and so thrilled to see it. Mm. And then, uh, as soon as I saw that, it's over with. I'm outside my back, my back door and I'm standing there. Craft is gone. The sun's starting to go down. And I'm wondering, what happened? What happened to my trip? You know? Mm-hmm. So that, 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 that's where I went. You know? And then that, then that of course picks up where it's like at that time you would have been like in the middle of the tag. Oh yeah, Games, yeah, so yeah. That, so you would have just picked up where you left off. Yeah, but I didn't. Now, there were no kids out. It was almost dark. Hmm. And um, later on uh, that evening, my folks finally got home, and I didn't really mention it to them because I figured uh, it'd fall on deaf ears, or they'd think I just was imagining it, you know. So I eventually just kind of forgot it, you know, hmm. put it in my subconscious. But it was burned in my subconscious. I couldn't get rid of it. For years and years, I thought of that thing that had happened to me. And um, <clears throat> it wasn't until right after that, right after that incident of, of viewing all this stuff aboard that craft. And I know we went aboard a, a larger craft. It, mm-hmm. it was huge. Uh, almost immediately, that's when I was sent to the secret school. So, um, for those that don't know, explain what the secret school is. Well, as, as you can best recall, the secret school, the best I can recall is a class, is a school that we would go to. It was written up, by the way, Whitney Strieber had also gone to the secret school and he had written a book, uh, the secret school. Mm-hmm. And he told about his experiences in it. It happened in Almas Basin in San Antonio, Texas. And, um, it's just such a fascinating event that happened. It's just, it's just hard to explain. Uh, but it was so real, so real. Uh, at night, we would, kids all over the area would try to get to this one location in Almas Basin. And it was a, the one I went to, I would have to ride my bicycle over to Almas Basin, which was only about a mile and a half away. But also, Whitney Streber lived about the same distance from there and he's one that that's where i learned about the secret school parts of it was through what i didn't know anything about the secret school until just here just a few years ago you know you know i'm 72 years old now Mm -hmm. but come to find out after i found out that uh charles hall the author of millennial hospitality had also told me that he had attended the secret school in wisconsin I believe it, I believe it was Wisconsin. Don't quote me on that. Uh, I also found out that Robert Dean had also attended the secret school. He was a command sergeant major in the military, 
with uh, all these top secret clearances and uh, ex- extra space travel and all that stuff. And he talked about his experiences attending the secret school also. This whole event fascinates. Well, this is, I'm getting ahead of myself yeah. here. Yeah, just go ahead and take us back to, you, you get on your bike, you go down to the park, and and then what? Well, what we would do, I, I remember distinctly, I would I would ride right through, right, I'd ride right up the street off Blanco Road, go right by my school, which was Agnes Cotton, it can mm-hmm. all be verified, and I can remember riding my bicycle up the hill past Agnes Cotton School, and um, it's dark and and it, it's it's it takes a little while to get there, but I'm so tired when I finally get to the school. The school, now this is interesting. Once I got to the creek bed in Almost Basin, I would lay my bicycle down and walk up this creek a little ways. And then we all had to climb the side of this dirt hill to reach a big oak tree with limbs hanging over. And it was only at that point that we could get to the classroom. We had to pull our way up this oak limb and to get around it, to get to flat ground. Once we got to the flat ground, then the the area where the class was taught was uh, under some trees, and there were concrete benches there, probably about three or four. That that's where the, you'd see the other kids there. They were all waiting for everybody to get there, and mm-hmm. they would all get there probably around twelve o'clock or so. I was usually kind of late. I was a bad student. I was always late. I never got there on time, and that, that was the way it was when I was in regular school too, you know. <laughs> but uh, I was always getting there late. So the teacher put me off to the left of the class behind a little card table, and I had my own little area I would sit in, mm-hmm. and um, I could watch everything going on. We had a tall teacher. She was fairly tall. And uh, if you ever, once you met the teacher for the first time, every new student that met the teacher was horribly terrified of her appearance. Hmm. She had a big cape that she wore, cape that went all the way to the ground, came all the way up over over her head, and her face was kind of set back inside this cape. It wasn't until yeah, years she had later. Like a, a hood covering her. It was a hood cover, yes. Her, her and it wasn't until cover. years later that we had put on a seminar for Charles Hall uh, for MUFON that uh, I had some one-on-one time for him with mm-hmm. him, and I found out that he told me what we were being taught. Our teacher was a tall gray, and under that cape she had her electronics and her breathing apparatus. Mm-hmm. She was an extraterrestrial, and she would teach us whatever subject we, we would learn. It wasn't until that time that I met Mr. Hall that what we were being taught was preparation for contact as we got older. Hmm. Now, I'm 72 years old, and I have made my full circle now. That's why I can explain it. Uh, mm-hmm. it it's, I've made my, I feel like I've made my full circle. Uh, my wife has passed already, mm-hmm. and that's... She she just wanted me to get the word out that this is this the reason for getting this word out is because we are here. We're not alone. We've never been alone here, and they have been interacting with us for millions of years. Mm-hmm. There's I, I can just I can just remember I, I didn't like attending secret school. Uh, it was all right, but once once we got there. As soon as we would sit down, it was like we were hypnotized immediately. Hmm. And I remember one night, as I was supposed to be hypnotized with the rest of the class, what I saw was really fascinating. Out of the left side, where the teacher was, all of these little grays came out and began to climb all over my card table, and they got right up to my face. They would look at me right just almost touching my nose, look in my eyes, look in my nose, look in my ears, look at my head. They were just, they were, they were fascinating. They, they, they were, and, and apparently we were fascinating to them. Hmm. And it wasn't until I talked to Mr. Hall, he said that was so that these kids could recognize you later in life because ETs are very afraid of humans. Some ETs are. They're terrified of us. They 
they talk about the tall whites. They said that when they come here from their star constellation, that uh, they literally have to go through schooling and a class to interact or even get close to humans. We're like the gorillas in the in the mist, you know, uh, to them. We frighten them very much. So they have to get used to being around us as same as we with them. Hmm. All right. So this school went on. I remember, I think I remember I read one time in your notes that you were running late one time and you actually passed a, a cop car. He passed me. Yeah. He, I, I'm trying to get to, I'm trying to get to the, to yeah. the, to run the us area. Through that. Run us through that. Well, I'm running late one night and I'm pedaling as fast as I can get there. And, uh, I'm almost at, uh, I'm about halfway, about halfway there. I just passed my school. And for some reason or another, here comes this uh, police officer. And he drives by real slow. And I'm thinking, oh, he's going to take me. He's going to put me in his car and take me back home. And my parents are going to find out where I'm, that I'm not in bed. Mm-hmm. And for some reason or another, he didn't do that. He just drove by, looked at me, drove by real slow, looked at me. And I thought, man, he's gonna he's gonna arrest me or something. I'm out here, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm, yeah. A, I'm a kid on a bicycle, yeah, you're, you're, you know. You're in trouble. Yeah, and I thought, boy, I better make a change here. So I darted down an alley, and went to the next block down this. Got to there by the via alley, you might say. Mm. <clears throat> and I finally got to the class, but I was late again. I was set back in my little card table again and mm-hmm. went through the whole thing. And the next morning, I, 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 I can really remember just how tired, how physically tired I was. I couldn't, every time I attended the secret school, and it was about three, two to three times a week. And, um, I would be so physically tired, I couldn't hardly get out of bed. I didn't do well in, in my regular class after that. I, I didn't, I didn't do good in school at all. I couldn't, I had no attention span. I couldn't, I couldn't sit there. I, I couldn't sit still. Uh, it was, it was real hard. It was like, um, I don't know, there was just something interfering with my ability to pay attention to the teacher and such as that, you know, as a kid. I think that's one reason, uh, that I have problems with dyslexia. Hmm. I found out that other people that have had these kind of encounters have also had problems with dyslexia from time yeah, to time. And I imagine the, the lesson type, the, educational process that they were using since if it's done through like tel- telepathy it, it, or, or some yeah. kind of uh, uh like like hypnosis like download it would oh, probably yeah. it would probably bypass oh, that. definitely a download yeah, de- yes. it would definitely bypass any learning disability that you would have had oh yeah well it it, it really did uh what i didn't what i didn't learn in school i i always had the uncanny ability to after my experiences is to fix things, uh, I had people in the neighborhood that would come and, and ask me to fix different projects for them and this and that. And it just came natural. You know, it just came natural to like this part goes here, this part goes there. I remember one time <clears throat> my dad had a friend of his that was a gunsmith mm-hmm. and he had a Winchester 73 carbine. Well, he couldn't get it to work and he couldn't figure out why doesn't this thing work? So he uh, began to try to put this thing together, and he just was frustrated. It just mm-hmm. drove him crazy. And he came to my dad, and he says, you know, I bet Gene, my nickname was Gene, well, mm-hmm. was Gene back then. He said, I bet Gene could uh, help me with this thing. And uh, my dad says, well, we'll, we'll see. <clears throat> so that evening, my dad came home with this 73 carbine all in pieces in a, in a cardboard box. And he asked if I could put it together. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do. I was like 14 years old then. Mm-hmm. And I took this carbine and I began to look at all the parts and everything and I began to assemble it. And the reason it wouldn't go together is there was a part missing. That's why it would not lever and work right. So I, I seen where this part had to be made and I went out to my garage and we had a little shop back there and I manufactured the proper part without ever even knowing what went there and it, this weapon functioned perfectly. Hmm. And I, I was through with it at four o'clock that morning. It took me, you know, from about, um, oh, probably, I don't know, I guess I, I received the package probably about six o'clock in the evening and then I, 
by four o'clock in the morning, I had it operating perfectly. Hmm. So you had to pretty much, I, I guess, by today's standards, you were you were sort of like a, a human 3D printer, except with uh, yeah, yeah, with whatever think, like metal. Yeah, what, what I couldn't do, <laughs> what I couldn't do with numbers or this and that. You had it, came, it, it, it came, it came yeah. together in my head. Right. The pieces, the parts, I could visualize these parts going together and how they needed to function. And uh, from then on, I always had no problems building hmm. stuff. You know, when I returned from uh, Vietnam years later, uh, I. Uh, had taken over my dad's masonry business. We did custom masonry work, fireplaces, barbecue pits, mm-hmm. things like that, homes, uh, retaining walls, everything. All that came natural to me. At, uh, I did that for years and, uh, until I, uh, until I retired. Now tell me a little bit about, in addition to the, uh, secret school, you also, on, now was this on your own or was it part of a lesson plan? You did, a Astral projection to Mars and to the moon, if you could lay oh, into a bit of that. Oh, that astral projection yeah. came, came in, in my, in my, uh, early thirties and it came with a vengeance. It was real strong. I was able to astral project and almost on a, well, about three times, four times a week. That was a highlight of my week. That was the biggest thrill I had. Um, I remember one time uh taking my daughter with me. She was about three years old. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh yeah, let's that was pack not, up the kids for an astral. Yeah, conference. that was not a real good idea because <laughs> I I uh yeah, where, where, where'd you leave I, the kid? I was like, oh, I left yeah, her on the moon. <laughs> that that's what I was that's what I was afraid of. You know, I I could always astral astral project and I I could feel myself go through a float off my bed go up and if I was laying on my stomach in bed I would float up to the ceiling and I could feel the my back on the on the sheetrock yeah, on the top yeah. on the on the ceiling. And I could feel myself just meld through the through the sheetrock up through the attic. And I remember my eyes would have to focus every time because I'd be so close as I came through from one level to the next until I got through the through the roof. Then I'd see mm-hmm. the shingles and then once I'd see the shingles, I'd back off a little ways and I could focus and see, oh, that's the roof, you know. And then I would begin to come, you know, horizontal. And I, at that point, I could look, um, <clears throat> look down the street. I could see the fire station uh, half a block away. I could see the top of the roofs, all the telephone poles, everything like that. And then I could just uh, begin to start flying around and floating around. And it was a, it was a great thrill to be able to do that. Uh, it was it was the biggest thrill of my life. I think that was more fun than anything. Yeah, I've I've done a lot of things. I've flown ultralight airplanes. I've raced race cars. I've done things like that. I've I've done a lot of stuff like that. But it was never as thrilling as astral projecting. I, I remember reading through your your notes and stuff that. There was a few times where you had astral projected with a purpose, where someone was giving you some kind of a lesson plan or something, or you were being either taken to uh, where you had a had a you had, had a chaperone. I had a chaperone, and that was from the secret school. Okay. Yeah. Now the chaperone from the secret school was an extraterrestrial, mm-hmm. and apparently I wasn't the only one that had that adventure other other kids that had it also mm-hmm. i i think they just wanted to see how we would react and and my my chaperone would take me the first trip he took me to was to the moon and i remember very distinct as as we got out of however we got there and i can't recall exactly whether it was through astral projecting or, or a craft he would go and sit on a rock mm-hmm. And I would be standing there looking around and he would say, go ahead, go explore around. And I was, you know, a little afraid, but I thought, well, this is interesting. So I would walk around the surface of the moon, you know, and it would be, uh, and you, for some reason I didn't need a space, uh, space helmet or yeah. anything like that. I could breathe. Uh, and that's when I believe that they, when they do take you like that, you have the ability to function because they only take your consciousness. In other words, when they, when they take you on a trip, you know, you, oh, in other words, of course, your physical body stays at home in your bed, but your 
consciousness is taken to another level. And therefore, at that other level, they can go ahead and take you wherever they want, whatever plane that you're on. So you shuffle around the moon some. You can yeah. you can you interact with like uh, objects there, like whenever you step. Oh yeah, kick yeah. Up? You could, yeah, you could. You, I could kick the rocks around, and they would they would roll around just like here on Earth, you know. Mm. And the dust, there would be dust and stuff like that. And uh, I I didn't find it <clears throat> very exciting. I didn't see any. <clears throat> I didn't see any buildings or any structures or anything like that. It was just uh, yeah, no, my, no secret Nazi moon bases. No, no, nothing, nothing said. like that. It was like I had uh, hearts blinders on, you know, and I, I was only mainly just looking, focusing in one direction, straight ahead. Hmm. And um, as soon as I, we would do that, I would kick around a few rocks and this and that, and then the next thing you know, I'd, I'd wake up in my bed. Hmm. It was no, also I a trip to Mars. You also took a trip to Mars. Then. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how was Mars different than the moon? It, it appeared to be more, the texture was a little different. The texture was a little different. It was more um, Well, first, first solid. Uh, explain to us the, the texture of the moon. Like what, what, is it a big gray thing made of cheese or, or No, what? no, no. There, there's rocks. The color is much better yeah. than, than what we, what we know, you know, from pictures and stuff. Uh, at least what I seen. Yeah. What, the color was much better. Uh, the rocks were, what, you what know, color were the rocks? They were kind of a gray, gray just yes. a gray, a gray and, and some would be a little darker. Uh, that, that's, that's what I noticed. And then, and then, uh, Mars was. That, that was, that we, was we, another thing. We that think was also, of it as, as red, but was well, it red? No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't, uh, wasn't really red. It was just, uh, it was at areas, if you looked off from a distance, mm-hmm. it'd appear that way, yeah, that it was red. Yeah. But up close, uh, it was more, had more color to it, you know, and more texture. A little more solid, I guess, best I can recall. I, I can't, I hmm. can't recall well, anymore. I think in your notes, you said it was like somewhat yellowish type. I, I can't know. I don't, I don't, that- I don't recall it being a yellowish. Maybe if I put it in my notes, it might have been because I still haven't got the mm-hmm. true picture of it yet. You know, yeah. I don't want to tell you exactly what it was because I didn't know exactly myself. It just had different texture to it. It was a little different than the moon. Mm-hmm. The Mars and stuff is, is such a mystery. I've, I've heard of some people whenever they interact with Mars, it's, Either through some type of uh, portal or 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 teleportation tunnel, and it's usually at a base, yeah, or something of that nature. Like, like I think it was Andrew Basiago said, he, yes, him and and Barack Obama would play basketball, and he'd slam dunk yeah. on him on the yeah on the secret space program, and, and mm-hmm. others, you know, fantastic stories, oh, fantastic yeah. accounts. Yeah. Well, but with you, it was more like they brought you there. To see how you would react to Mars being your playground. Yeah, I believe that's more what it was. It was just an experiment. I was just a lab rat, you know, just to take around. And, uh, you know, just, just being, uh, they are more curious about our, our ability to, you know, how we perceive things, mm-hmm. you know, our family, our family units are very important to them. Mm-hmm. They're very interested in how we react physically to you know family connections and stuff that they seem to be from what i've learned they seem to be so interested in our family structure it's they want to know you know how we function how we understand things how we how our family units work together it seemed like they would be more interested in uh other things that we do but yeah they're yeah. more interested in just family structure than so, so it's like i kind of wonder what it is that, that they think now with because our family structures are pretty much changing now we're yeah, we're they not are. as traditional as we once were. That's true. And and I'm wondering, you know, with with because uh, one of my friends, uh, Leslie, that you guys remember from the Alien Con episode, she was she was adopted, and and she, of course, you know, a lot of her lineage, you know, like like she's just figuring it out, she's just finding it out, yeah. stuff like that, and apparently she's had like long term encounters as mm-hmm. well. So I kind of wonder like that with, with happening, like with, with people who either they go through adoption or they're part of broken families or something like yeah. that and, and another. And it's just, it's just, uh, 
if that adds to the to the stress of like what it is that that they're looking at if if yeah. they factor that in that's true i think they want to see how we do stress that's a big thing uh, that's why here on earth uh, we're put through so many trials and tribulations and and hurt and pain and this and that and you know through losing loved ones and everything uh they they let that happen they want to see how we're going to handle it they want to see how we handle stress i feel i i feel that strongly they want to see how we handle emotion anger mm-hmm. we're at a point now that we're on the brink uh, if we don't become more spiritual, get along with one yeah. another, we're, we're going to run into some big problems down the road. Oh, yeah. Definitely see that coming. And there is, you know, a bit of like a spiritual culture war that's sort of happening right now. Oh, yeah. I, I won't get too into it right now because that's sort of, it, that tapers off into different subjects. Yeah. So um, go ahead and tell me about the timber rattler incident. Oh, that was a nightmare. Yeah, that was that, a probably... Out of all my extraterrestrial adventures, uh, that was the most frightening. I think I. It does. Wild, it, from from them. what I've read, it does sound like something out of a, out of a scary story. It, it and I sort of want to like you know, because majority of your experiences have been lightly positive. Yeah, they have. And this one, although it's not offhandedly uh, negative, it's it's more like just the circumstances were just extremely uncomfortable. That's true. So I, I guess if we could go ahead and you're you're you you wake up in the middle of a procedure. Procedure. Yeah. And yeah, this was uh, one of my more terrifying events. I try to. I've had some really scary events through my life, but this one here was. Well, I don't know. There's a couple others. The yeah. Ma- the mansion was yeah, another yeah. bad one. That was yeah. that was really a terrifying thing that yeah. lasted. We'll uh, probably catch that in a yeah, future episode. Yeah. Anyway, uh, on the timber rattler incident, that was really uh, uh, unusual. What it was was a process of DNA manipulation, which they have been doing to us since the beginning of time, <clears throat> since we were created. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it was, they take a person, and if they want to have some type of DNA change, they take another species of creature that's on the surface of the, of the planet here, and they'll put it together with whatever they feel that they want to want to do. However, your DNA is supposed to get manipulated. And I wake up, and I'm <clears throat> I'm laying on a stretcher, mm-hmm. and there is a alien hybrid next to me, and he's got this sweet broom, like a squeegee. Yeah. Now, yeah. this sounds like weird. Long, long squeegee this, broom, yeah. This sounds, this sounds crazy. Yeah. This it, was it, the, it, the it, oddest part of what I had, of from what I had gone over with your notes, is that he's just sitting there with his squeegee, just squeegeeing material. And, and he's squeegeeing the, the floor. The floor is just like a lab, like an operating room. And I'm not the only one. Uh, other, there's another person there's had another procedure done. But uh, I, I wake up, and I, I know I've been worked on. And I said, well, was it a success? And he's pushing uh, the the squeegee and pushing medical waste and stuff down this big drain. And he says, uh, well, yeah, most of them are a success. Yeah, that's very that's – very, that's something you want to hear. Yeah, and I thought, well, maybe I won't have to go through this process again. I said, well, how how will I know? He says, oh, well, you're not through yet. He says, you have to take this, uh, you have to take this specimen and you have to, uh, take this, the donor out of this sack. This, it was like a gut sack. I, the best I can explain it. And it's hovering above my head. And I said, well, what do I do? He said, well, you, well, you have to take a, a, a surgical instrument and cut this gut sack open and, and take the contents out and lay it on this tray for me. I said, oh, well, okay. And uh best I can explain to you is that, uh, man, it, it, it was really terrifying. Uh, I'm looking up, and uh, he's still working on floor I said, uh, and pushing all this medical waste down the drain. So I take this... Uh, scalpel and I cut this gut sack open and I can only explain what I felt and seen it 
appeared to me to be the biggest timber rattler I've ever seen in my life. And this thing comes out and I bring it out of this gut sack and uh, they put a tray over there and I have to lay this thing on the tray. And uh, and it's like, and I guess whatever is, is else in the sack is like just fluids oh, yeah. and yeah, just fluids and stuff like that, yeah. you know. And I asked him I, first at first when I first asked him, I said, "Well, was the process a, a success?" And he says, "Well, I don't know." He says, uh, "We're not allowed to touch you or, or get close to you." I said, "Oh, okay. Uh, well, I understand, yeah, the, and I understand they didn't want any DNA contaminated." Uh, yeah. The the good old that's above my pay grade. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. And they all have different pay grades, believe me, different uh, levels, you know, of authority. And he was basically uh, a lab technician. And uh so I laid this huge timber rattler thing on this big silver tray. And um I'm asking him, I said, well, uh, how will I know if it, if the operation took, if the, uh, if it took? He says, well, you'll know. He says on each, each side of your temple, you will feel like a, sm- a splinter and you'll have to remove this splinter. If you can remove both of these splinters successfully, then it's deemed a success. I said, oh, okay. So I, I reached up on each side of my temple mm-hmm. and felt with my fingers, you know. And yeah, it felt like a little splinter. So I got a hold of one and I got a hold of the other one and I pulled it out and they came out fairly easy. And I looked at them and they appeared to be the largest snake fangs I've ever seen in my hmm. life. I wake up and believe me, uh, my heart is beating so fast. Uh, it was terrifying. Hmm. It was terrifying, but there's nothing I can do about it. If I, if I freak out, don't handle these things accordingly, I won't make it. Hmm. I've already gone through, uh, five stents. I've gone through quadruple bypass surgery and right now, I'm 72 years old. I'm due for another stint. Hmm. So that's where I'm at now. I'm, that's one reason I'm willing to share this information with your audience. Yeah, yeah. Cause that, that was, that was a pretty, out of all of your adventures, out of all of your encounters, that was one that was just, you know, it was just, that, that's sort of like the, the, the typical bang for your buck type of. Yeah thing where yeah. it's, it's just you know it's like oh that's that's what i expect well, yeah you know, what they what they needed to do <clears throat> was was to uh they the best i can explain that i feel that i know what they've done is they're taking <clears throat> what we call junk dna which is really not junk dna it's dna there for a purpose it's basically being stored by us until it's the proper time to have it manipulated to a point to where it's usable for their purpose that's the only way i can explain it chris i, mm. I don't know anymore uh you know i i don't have a phd or anything i can't go i'm just no country boy that this stuff has <laughs> happened to i've done the best i can to try to explain some of these events it is quite peculiar tell me about this one you had this one encounter where you actually saw a tr3b one of the triangles and then, oh, yeah. and then it prompted you to make a major change. Oh yeah, in in yeah. your backyard. So go ahead and oh, bl- lead us bl- down. Believe me, adventure. I live in the Texas Hill Country, <laughs> and uh, my wife and I had built this home out in the Texas Hill Country here. And mm-hmm. uh, at nights, the nights were just beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. It was before the subdivision started coming in. One night, uh, I remember this distinctly. My wife had been in the hospital, and uh, she had just gotten home that evening. Later that evening, a friend of mine came by, and he wanted to know if we could do a little star watching with the night vision. We had some Generation 3 night vision Mm -hmm. goggles. I said, yeah, that'd be fine. I asked my wife how she was feeling. She said, yeah, go ahead. It'd be all right. So we're out there, and we're looking at the stars, and we're watching satellites and a few uh, meteors and this and that. And uh, every now and then, you might see an asteroid out of nowhere. I saw this thing coming from the north, and it was moving pretty good. And I thought, what in the world is this? First, I thought it was an asteroid. It turned out to be this triangle-shaped craft. I thought, oh, my gosh. So here I am looking towards the north off the back porch, and I see this craft coming over. And believe me, it is so low, I can make out the thruster panels on it. 
Hmm. It was fascinating. It was unbelievable to see. This thing had... Uh, you you I think it even, was one of ours? Uh, yeah, I, I really... I, I don't know if it was one of ours. It made no noise. It was a triangle-shaped craft. I could see the thrusters underneath it. I could also see the panels which held the engines or the thrusters. Uh, the panels were shaped like shingles turned on the side, and they went around each each thruster engine. That's how close it was. I could see the magnetic the magnetic uh, yeah, image the around that leading yeah. edge, the magnetic distortion around yeah. that leading edge of okay. it. Uh, as this thing came over, I only seen it for about eight seconds, but I hmm. saw it real good at eight seconds, about. And uh, I found out later that this thing was a what we call the TR-3B. Hmm. And since then, uh, Spring Branch and uh, Canyon Lake area has become a hotspot for this TR-3B. If people would just turn their lights down, their yard lights off, and just look at the sky out here, they would see some very fascinating things. Hmm. But every time someone moves from the city, they come out here to the hill country. They plant their carpet grass. They put up bright lights. <laughs> and there you go. You lose your vision. Yeah, they bring their city with them. They do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so then to, to, I guess, to sort of help yourself alleviate this, what did you do? Oh, my God. I, I, well, I didn't know it was a TR-3B at the time. I thought, well, it's, it's an extraterrestrial craft. And mm-hmm. far as I know, it could have been. And since then, we have seen craft that would grid out here. The, we saw, my wife and I saw one one night. It was going north, and it was zigzagging It would as, with a forward motion. And uh, I found out later by uh, Charles Hall, he said that, when one of these alien craft lose one of their ships, one of them go down, he said they will form a grid pattern like that to look for that craft. Hmm. And apparently there's more craft go down here on Earth than what we have any idea about. Hmm. So this happens quite frequently from what I gather. But anyway, I, I found out that that was the TR-3B, I believe. Uh, I found out later at MUFON, and, and it, it is, it's it's... It's probably old, old technology now. They have another one called the Astra. And by the way, I was going back out to, uh, when we were doing our research, I was driving out to Nevada with a friend of mine. We actually saw one during the day going through, uh, Arizona. It was back at a airplane storage area and, uh, it was actually hovering. And I guess they were putting it in a hangar or something, and it was uh, the the black triangle shaped craft. They're they're beautiful to see. Uh, they make no noise. They can turn on a dime. They can. Uh, I hear that they can get to the moon in four and this was like hours. A, just out in the open. Yes, it was during hmm. the day. It's the first time I've ever seen one during the day. My buddy spotted it first. He said, "What is that, Jack?" I said, "Oh my gosh, I don't know." I said, "Well, that that's a TR three B, I believe." So it was either the the dart, or it was the uh, TR3B, or the Astra. I guess they should be a bit more careful. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But actually, now it's it's uh, and not only do we have them, I'm sure other countries, I'm sure Russia has yeah. them, I'm sure China probably has them. Well, they, I'm sure they have a knockoff. A knockoff. They yeah. got a knockoff of everything. Wouldn't be near near as efficient as a real thing, though. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, well. It would definitely be a lot cheaper, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's free energy, yeah. you know. I mean, uh, that's something that scares everybody. Uh, it scares the, the ones in power. That's right. Yeah. They don't want to see their piggy no. bank interrupted, and uh, we come up with uh, yeah. free energy. Well, there goes the, <laughs> there goes the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. then – in in your in your backyard, you then you 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 built. Oh, one. I was so fascinated. <laughs> I, I, let me tell you that that you prompted that prompted me, me because we only had a view from the back porch, mm-hmm. looking straight out to the north. And after I saw the TR three B, I was so pumped. I said, "Oh my God, I've got to build a star deck." So I built this. Uh, it took me six weeks to, of back breaking work to build this thing, and I built it by myself, just my wife and I. Mm-hmm. And. Um, yeah, I, I've built, been out there. It's 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 all metal. It's gorgeous. It's 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 quite a feat. 
It, well, it it's it it is. It really was. It gave us a a full view of the sky once we got out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's it's about twenty foot off the ground because back of my property slopes down, and uh, it runs about thirty five feet off from under the deck towards the north. And uh, we've got our deck out there built, and it's um, yeah, it it's, it gives us a good view. We put our lounge chairs out there at night. I've had. Since we've had the deck out there, I've had uh, all types of people from different backgrounds. I've had uh, professors and uh, uh, different uh, police officers. I've had uh, uh, doctors. Everybody. I've I've had everybody pilots from any ever background out there. And once they leave the deck after a viewing, uh, they say, "Jack, I never knew the sky was this beautiful." Mm. Because we get out there with night vision, we we've gone all out. We use uh, generation three night vision goggles, same that they use in Afghanistan, and you can really see the sky. Believe me, if you want to see the sky, and really really get into it, get you some good night vision goggles and just peer up in the heavens. There's more life up there than you'll ever ever imagine. <laughs> Certainly is. So um, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Any any parting words that you have for the people out there, for like experiences, like other people like yourself who who run into um, these unusual situations? What what would you say to the person out there who has their story and they don't quite know what to do with it? What would you What would you don't, tell them? Don't let it go to waste. Every story is a blessing. Hmm. Yeah, just just don't let it go to waste. Yeah. All right. It's and, uh it, it's a real blessing. It, it is. I mean, uh my wife used to love to go out there. That was a big thing for her. Uh she uh loved Star Deck watch. I would catch her out there at three o'clock in the morning sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember her fondly. I you're uh, um a bit of the notes that I'm referring to, I I, I was able to buy a copy of one of your uh, self made books from her. Yeah, and yeah. and it was it was quite she was she was quite an adventurous woman and oh yeah and this is def, definitely remembering her and and yeah and she, I'm I'm glad that that we're able to sit down and, and talk. Well, she's really had some adventures herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was an inspiration for me to really uh, do this, and uh, she said, "Jack, whatever happens to me, be sure and finish the book." And I'm mm-hmm. doing my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's sometimes all that we could do, and I'm I'm pretty sure it'll get together. And in some way, we'll figure, we'll get it out. It'll get out there and we'll all figure it out. We'll all figure something out. Well, thank you, Chris. Yeah. I appreciate it. Certainly. Thank you Certainly. so much. So, uh, just to go ahead and party, just letting you guys know, um, you know, just hang in there. If you got any stories or any encounters that you want to write into the, the show, let me know. And me and Jack, just see you next time. Thank you all so much. <laughs>